Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Luke Jacobs, CEO and co-founder of NCAMP, about the importance of environmental compliance. And now, on to the interview. I'm with Luke Jacobs, CEO and co-founder of NCAMP, and we're here to talk about environmental compliance. How's it going, Luke? Uh, it's going excellent. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So I guess to start things off, um, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, little bit about me. I'm the co-founder and CEO of NCAMP. So we've been at it for about four years now. Uh, my background's in environmental science and environmental consulting. Uh, did some research as well uh, in the environmental science space uh, before finding my way into business and entrepreneurship. A uh, little bit about NCAMP. We're a B2B premier enterprise environmental compliance platform. So we work with large companies to help them understand their data at scale, uh, contextualize this at a site level location, cross-referenced with the actual regulatory requirements based on their locations, the state, the county, the, uh, you know, kind of like jurisdictional requirements and, uh, you know, compliance requirements based on their actual you know, operations, what they're doing. Uh, and then really one of the key differentiators of our system and how we think about compliance is that we actually complete the last mile delivery of the compliance reports themselves using uh, software automation. So this is a you know, paradigm that we've extended to be able to take compliance reports and then effectively treat them, uh, I like to kind of say, kind of like a TurboTax model where we can e-file them with various regulatory agencies so that it's uh, not only a data management system that's static, but actually allows our customers to you know, actionably become in compliance with their required regulations by completing the reports directly through our system that ultimately then reaches the correct regulators. So that's kind of the high level idea of what we're doing. Sounds good. And how did you come up with the idea for the company? Yeah, so uh, really I think it's uh, kind of a couple different things that uh, combine together to It'll lead me into starting NCAMP. Uh, first off, I was working as a consultant uh, after you know coming through undergrad, doing some environmental research, was uh, published some papers, was looking at doing a PhD potentially, but really was motivated to actually dig in and solve applied problems, especially working with large companies. I was struck by uh, just the realities that if you could make a really large company even 1% more efficient, uh, the impact of that is really, really vast at scale. So. Uh, when I was in a consulting firm, I had the uh, you know really great opportunity to work with uh, some large energy companies, automotive, uh, you know, oil and gas, and uh, start to really see how their problems were uh, you know kind of uh, applying and playing out on this uh, you know like regular basis, completing different reports, tier two reports, uh, SPCCs, HWCPs, like lots of. Uh, lots of kind of like prep work, paperwork, filings, re-notifications under RICRA. Um, and in all of this, uh, I really did see that a lot of the work that I was doing was fairly manual work that I was doing a lot of copy pasting. I was writing a lot of the same things over and over and really uh, started to just think about ways that this could actually be automated and kind of treated more programmatically to solve these problems in a you know more comprehensive manner and something where you're really not solving it uh each time for each customer but instead kind of implementing a system that would be able to 
you know, create, for lack of a better word, almost the operating system and the data spec for this information. And uh, then kind of uh, in the founding story, uh, something really relevant, uh, both of my, I have two brothers, both of them work at NCAMP as well. Uh, and one of them was uh, a software engineer out at Netflix, so Silicon Valley really, sure. uh, you know, kind of best in the business out there. So we spent a lot of time you know, talking with him about just sort of, uh, you know, Technology at scale was just very aware that there's this entire kind of class of company that uh, it really just approaches problems differently, you know, really prioritizes engineering talent, software engineers. Uh, and then my other brother who was working in uh, really the startup scene. So he was at Zenefit, uh, which was a you know, really fast growing unicorn uh, in 2013, 2015, uh, worked at Datadog in New York as well, another really fast growing uh, you know, SaaS company, uh, an enterprise software as a service company. Um, and through kind of a combination of conversations and really looking at the problem and starting to ideate, uh, you know, ultimately we decided that it was going to be, uh, you know, really me and my, my startup oriented brother, Sam, uh, you know, we decided that we were going to make the, the commit after I had left the consulting firm was uh, kind of looking at some next options just to go ahead and actually uh, you know, dive in and, and take the ride of entrepreneurship. So we actually started the company with a really small friends and family round about uh, you know, $12,000, I think, got us started. And we were, we were very much in the like, let's start building our iterative kind of uh, you know, software system. Our other uh, co-founder, Dan Schmiedema, uh, who was a research fellow of mine from undergrad, uh, was really working on kind of writing the entire original code stack. And uh, and yeah, from there it's just been uh it been growing really since uh, the end of kind of late 2017. But uh, as far as the founding story, it really did come down to like in a very simplistic way, uh, you know, looking at having to fill out hundreds and hundreds of uh, actually like in very particular like looking at some of these RIC reforms, 8712s mm-hmm. in particular, and uh, starting to think about ways where so this is a structured data problem with a really known. Uh, kind of data spec and output, which is these filled out forms and uh, and started thinking about how we could generalize that, you know, really broadly a- across, uh, you know, really just environmental regulations are, you know, structured data that needs to get in certain formats that need to get to regulators on a certain cadence and just, uh, you're kind of approaching it from a first principles perspective, I think was, uh, you know, critical and continues to be critical. Yeah. And, and so, your platform is software as a service, um, SAS. Mm-hmm. How can that uh, streamline reporting? Tell me, I guess, explain it to me. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, really in the name, it's um, it's a, an app dis- description, actually, and something that I use to describe to uh, our prospects and to our customers is that we really think about uh, delivering a service that combines the best aspects of using an environmental management information system with then actually working with a premier consultancy as well, because at the end of the day, SaaS is about jobs to be done and completing those jobs to be done using software. So really more than even thinking about ourselves as a software company, we really are software as a service where with our system, uh, you know, specifically for reporting, we have workflows that help our customers uh, you know, first on a facility level, understand what applicability they have on a location by location basis. From there, help them understand what data collection paths they'll need and on what frequency. So, you know, you have a Title V air permit, you're going to need to collect requisite information on some kind of cadence. And then once that data is actually collected, 
then our system actually we've built essentially uh, reporting automation to get that data to different state agencies and even doing stuff like send certified mailers via an API, which is a, essentially a fancy way of saying like our software can can send a little signal and a piece of mail gets sent out by, by an actual, you know, like delivered in the mail, but we're not sitting in a mail room doing it. We, uh, we actually just do that all via, via our software and uh, documentation of PDF copies, scan copies, mm -hmm. all of those things really with NCAMP get triggered uh, and completed using our software stack. And then we have our human uh, you know, kind of, component with our uh, our customer success fulfillment and support teams uh, are primarily staffed by just ex-environmental consultants and specialists who then can be basically quality assurance, work with our customers to help answer questions on how to collect data, how to format it correctly when they're, when they're getting it set up, doing implementation, uh, stuff like that. But really the idea with our system is that uh, you know, it's not enough actually to understand what your compliance requirements are or even to collect the right data. You're really not in compliance until you do that last final reporting and make sure that the regulators get it in a format that they actually recognize and can receive correctly via, you know, their portal or paper forms or what have you, however they're accepting it. We have that rule set to make sure that for our customers, the data that they need to get reported on. It gets reported on correctly in the right format on time uh, and then gets documented with really minimal copy pasting, minimal kind of human human action within that. You know, we really believe that uh, there are things humans are really great at, like something I, you know, will often <laughs> tell people, like we're, we're never gonna like design a bridge at NCAMP. We will not own trucks, you know, like environmental right. professionals have so many different things that are really critical for them to do and that really requires a person and a specialist to be out in the field, really walking the floor, taking a look at things, making observations, but then the back office components where you've really got just spreadsheets on spreadsheets and you need to turn these spreadsheets into, you know, online reports that get sent to different state agencies. That's really just something that software is, uh, you know, primed to do and uh, you can really unlock massive efficiencies. So, I mean, on reporting alone, you know, in general, for for instance, tier two reports is uh, one of the big ones that we do for a lot of customers. We save on average over 67% uh, of the time for our customers just by automating the last mile delivery of reports, mailers, you know, getting the certified mail receipts, getting final documentation, doing payments uh, for regulatory agencies to get the reports accepted. All of that really gets encapsulated in our system to be able to say, I'm hitting the button to submit it. Uh, and I will check back to make sure that it was completed in my NCAMP account. But, uh, you know, from, from our customer's perspective, once they hit the button on reports, uh, their work is really done and, uh, and the rest is really on us and our software. Nice. Um, so what are the biggest challenges facing businesses these days when it comes to environmental compliance? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think it's a couple different things. One, just regulations. Uh, there tend to be more of them rather than fewer of them over time. So I think it's a, uh, it's kind of a compounding problem where just the longer you're in business and, you know, the longer regulations continue kind of existing, the more things you will actually have to be tracking and, and dealing with as a company uh, that has environmental compliance uh, requirements and, and just is under those various, uh, various rules and regulations. Um, I think within that, one of the most challenging things actually facing companies right now is that we're at a 
I'd say, kind of paradigm shift where the, the status quo has been fairly manual, uh, fairly analog, and often actually not even digital. Uh, and this transition is now taking place where there is you know, a large need to actually move into more of a, a digital system, especially I think COVID has been particularly mm. uh, interesting to see how we have had to really go from being able to sit next rooms or be on the floor and, you know, fill out your mailers and stuff in your actual like production room to a place where, you know, for the first time, maybe ever people are managing environmental compliance programs from, you know, home offices, from distributed locations. And, uh, and all of that, I think is really, uh, presenting a, a big challenge, but a big opportunity for companies to, I think, accelerate their their digital adoption and transformation. But with that, there is all sorts of challenges. I mean, just setting up systems is is hard, you know, choosing the right one, there's training and adoption. Um, but I do think those efforts are, especially if kind of like done well, and you pick the right system are, are really impactful and have long term gains and I, and I like to think compounding gains because really uh i mean this is this is getting a little wonky but i like to think about just compliance especially in the u.s in general is basically uh it is basically an explosion a combinatorial explosion of decision points based on the federal setup where the federal rules are translated into 50 plus state rules and then there are 3200 plus counties that could layer on their own additional rules and even municipalities might have their additional rules. So if you're a business with operations in all 50 states and they're all under one federal requirement, there might be hundreds of different sub, you know, requirements and nuances that you would need to, you know, not only track kind of at a mm. given point in time, but track over time. And that's really a, it's a, it's a large challenge. There's just a lot to do and it's uh it's spread out. I don't know if that's one challenge, but, uh, a lot of the things uh, I think right now that companies are facing with environmental compliance in general. Um, and then this isn't as much part of the challenge, but I think it's part of the impetus of, uh, of making sure you are actually moving forward and, uh, and really implementing good compliance systems. But uh, I think just public will has significantly shifted over the last decade, two decades. Uh, just environmental social governance is much uh, higher kind of top of mind for people uh, Public relations is really important for companies mm -hmm. to protect themselves from negative press associated with non-compliance, especially consumer brands. Uh, and I think, you know, kind of the double-edged sword, sword of digital uh, reporting is that actually it is easier than ever to access data about what companies are doing. And so, you know, the public stakeholders uh, are, I would say, more opinionated and empowered by that data than ever. So you know, organizations are a little bit more under the microscope than they've been before, uh, at least, you know, recently. And I think that's something that is uh, definitely on the top of environmental leaders' minds that, that we work with, at least, and that I talk to pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, you know, hinted at it in, in your previous answer, but how much of the industry mm -hmm. is still doing reporting using outdated technology or, or forms? Yeah. Um, so I, this is a little bit of like other, other data I've read, but I've read reports that put it at around 80% of the market is not using any dedicated software wow. uh, that has been designed for their environmental compliance. So I'd say it's, it's pretty wide open actually for the most part. And even a lot of the, the companies that are using these systems are still probably doing the most common setup that, that we see, especially at enterprises. They're using some form of 
uh, EMIS, but then they're still working with either internal teams or consultants to get data out of those systems and then still complete the reporting, you know, using really like pretty manual processes, copy paste things, spreadsheets getting emailed around, checks getting written, such things as that. Um, so I would say, you know, it is, it, it's a lot of the industry that is, uh, you know, on various degrees of this curve, especially when it comes to the reporting itself. Um, and I really think, you know, for, for the way we view the world at NCAMP, we're, we're really competing more with the status quo of, you know, people using their own kind of home rolled systems, uh, you know, being really, uh, you know, deep on different spreadsheets that they built really more than even other software competitors, because we really do, uh, you know, pride ourselves and we've positioned ourselves from the beginning as being you know, one of, if not the only software uh, provider in this space, in the environmental compliance space that actually has focused primarily on that last mile delivery of the compliance reports themselves. Uh, and most other systems really are more about the data upstream of that. So you're tracking your data throughout the year, but then once you actually get to the point where you need to report it, you probably need to get it out of that system with NCAMP, we really think about it as, uh, you know, keep it in your, your NCAMP system because we actually can push that data out to other systems, which, uh, you know, allows you to kind of have that single pane of glass. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, this probably, it was from like 2018, so it might be a little higher, but uh, yeah, around, around when we were a couple years into the company, I mean, we were looking through a lot of different reports where it was like, you know, 20% is is probably generous of like really wide adoption of, uh, you know, just dedicated verticalized software. So it's still kind of early days, uh, you know, for using products like this. And, and it sounds like yeah. even people who are using it haven't quite figured them how, how to use them to the fullest capability. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that assessment. I think that's fairly accurate. And I think, um, you know, it's a combination of the software needing to, I think, get more useful, get more ergonomic. There's a lot of innovation left to push forward. Uh, I also do think that there are changing demographics and mindsets going on in uh, the environmental space that will be interesting to continue to watch. Just uh, there's a lot of kind of, you know, workforce changes as really the, the kind of old guard who has so much knowledge uh, and a lot of that knowledge is in their own experience and in their heads. They're now retiring and then, you know, it's just kind of, they're, they're aging out, they're ready to be done and, and go on to the next stage mm -hmm. of their life. And the, the new group that is coming up, kind of these, you know, 30 year olds or early 40 year olds, I think are, uh, you know, they're, they're in a, a position where, you, you know, how do you actually transfer that knowledge from this older, uh, you know, group of professionals and really ensure business continuity progresses. And I think one of the things that people are looking at is ways to do this with software. Um, but it is it is far from solved, truly. I think we are, uh, you know, we're fairly early in this space, even though there have been providers for, you know, a couple decades who have been been working on this in various degrees, some really great companies out there. Uh, but it's still, there's a lot, lot of work to be done. And I think, uh, you know, the the need to really think about solving the the problems of compliance kind of holistically are still, you know, very much, very much wide open as, uh, you know, different people really dive in and innovators. I mean, we, uh, we work with some really, you know, great and, uh, you know, large companies who have multiple different systems they might use and there are still gaps, you know, there really are gaps mm -hmm. that exist and there are 
enough idiosyncrasies of actually the work to be done that, uh, you know, part of the challenge is that just different operations are different enough that you need a system that's a, an interesting kind of like mix of prescriptive, you know, making it really easy for people to know what they should do while also being flexible because the system should not really tell you exactly what to do because, you know, if you're a, a big warehousing retail company compared to a big oil and gas extraction company compared to a, you know, a chemical manufacturer or something, you're going to have like really different kind of core needs right. uh, that you'll need your, your software to provide for. And uh, there are a lot of kind of considerations to take into account when you're, when you're evaluating that, at least from the perspective of, uh, you know, the software vendor itself is we, uh, you know, always work to design and, and iterate and redesign our software and make it, you know, just that much more useful for our customers. Um, so I guess taking a, a broader view, um, how can mm -hmm. how can companies improve their sustainability efforts? I mean, you must be seeing, you know, mm -hmm. a lot more progress in that regard, you know, probably from when you first got into the industry till to now, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, that's been uh that's been really exciting to watch actually uh companies focusing on this and, and really moving forward. Um I think broadly it is just a, a kind of truism is that you really can't improve what you can't measure. And so I think, you know, broadly laying down your processes for measuring your sustainability is really step number one for companies. Uh, the more you can really measure what's going on, the more you'll be able to take a look at ways to improve it, uh, you know, ways to optimize, ways you can do stuff differently. Um, I think within that, this is, you know, it's probably going to involve some amount of software. I also really truly think it will involve people. I mean, having dedicated people who are also uh, asking the right questions about what sustainability data is telling you, I think is really critical. And, uh, you know, so having, I think um, like chief sustainability officer has been one of the most rapidly, you know, newly added C-level <laughs> positions in a lot of these big brands. And I think uh, that's something that, kind of the proof is in the pudding. These companies are clearly trying to prioritize it and move this up to a C-suite level. Um, but I think it really does fundamentally start start with being able to measure your inputs and your outputs and get a kind of good view of what's going on. Uh, and then from there, I would say, uh, you know, I like a, another, a heuristic I use is, you know, Pareto principle. So kind of the 80-20 rule, you know, really trying to assess like what activities or improvements could you make that are going to actually have, you know, 80% impact with only 20% of the work of, you know, mm -hmm. doing everything and really being, uh, being clear eyed about trying to pick, you know, if you're, if you're going to be, you know, eating the, the proverbial elephant, you want to start one bite at a time, so to speak. So I think um, being cognizant of where, you know, you will have larger impact and focusing there first is a, uh, you know, it very, it's just a broad general strategy, but I think important to uh, keep in mind when you're really thinking about tackling something as huge as, uh, you know, increased sustainability for, you know, a given company that, that really could, you know, encompass changing the supply chain. It could be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, changing your emission, uh, you know, like reduction technology, your actual, uh, you know, technology embedded in your, your facility, uh, you know, it could be materials. It could be a lot of different things, finding ways to, uh, you know, divert waste streams into reusables or recyclables. That could be, uh, you know, very impactful depending on, you know, your your industry. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, all of those, the, the different tactics will vary kind of depending on are you an insulation company or are you a 
oil and gas company, it'll be different. But, uh, you know, broadly, if you're measuring it and you have dedicated people really like interrogating that data and uh, asking good questions and really evaluating where you have the greatest opportunities for impact, uh, I think companies can make really meaningful progress. And like you said earlier, I mean, they kind of have to because people are paying attention now. You know, it's not like, uh, Definitely. you know, 30, 40 years ago where you could just kind of like, you know, shove some things under a desk and nobody would notice. I mean, it's, you know, yep. it's out there. So, um, you know, it definitely uh, behooves companies to pay attention to what they're doing when it comes to uh, the environment. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, yeah, just digital digital disclosure uh is a it is a potent force in kind of the stakeholders in the internet. I mean, it's uh it's the world we live in. You know, people are definitely uh, more able to access data, and I think more likely to act upon information like that as consumers and uh you know, kind of vote with their dollars. Which, you know, I think that's something where you know I like to think you know people people want to make companies sustainable because it's you know the right thing to do. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. good for the world, all these things, uh, which I think, you know, really a lot of people do. And I think most of these companies really have their heart in a good place. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a very practical and pragmatic way too. Uh, you know, businesses are there to, you know, serve their customers and make money and grow. And uh, it is a strong incentive if you uh, know that you could actually lose money if you do not push your sustainability initiatives right. and really uh, prioritize that. And then I think long-term, everybody's just waiting for like, how will this be regulated? Mm -hmm. Right now it's kind of like guidelines are emerging, but you know, over time, I think uh, most people are expecting there to be at least some, you know, true regulations and, you know, potentially some new final rules coming out just as, uh, you know, we continue to kind of grapple with it as a society and think about how we want to approach sustainability as a whole. Um. And I guess from NCAMP's point of view, what is the what does the future look like? I mean, you just looking to, you know, kind of continue to to, you know, get into more companies and and, and help them, you know, do this work? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So um pretty much, yeah. Like we're a, we're a great growth oriented company. So uh We've been growing, you know, quadrupling or more pretty much every year since we started, just, uh, you know, both in headcount, customers, just, uh, you know, revenue, just really trying to get get out there, get in with companies uh, and start helping them. Um, really, the future is, uh, it's kind of us actually growing on this combinatorial vector uh, kind of set that we have where we we grow into companies by either adding more facilities who are using our software for a given regulatory module like EPCRA or RICRA, um, or we can actually add regulatory modules because we're building out more programs all the time. And uh, you know, right now we don't actually have, say, a sustainability module. It's something that we've been mm-hmm. evaluating. Our head of product is, you know, like we we debate these things, we look through different options, but uh, we're trying to be very strategic about you know step one goes first step two goes second and not trying to do everything or be be everywhere at once because mm-hmm. then your quality really suffers um so really building out kind of like more regulatory programs and then uh over time i'd say within the next one to two years we're definitely looking to move global right now we really focus on uh u.s regulation specifically so we work with lots of global companies uh and our goal is really to get our software into all of their U.S. facilities and kind of prove it out in these program areas and then over time build out 
kind of the same functionality and same paradigms, but into these, you know, slightly different but analogous frameworks like, you know, European regulations are, are different than, you know, U.S. regulations. They'll have their own nuances. They'll have their own requirements. But, you know, a lot of things still kind of fundamentally are like a regulated facility will have a set of requirements. You will have lists that you need to cross-reference for chemicals of interest or reporting thresholds or, you know, limits of various kinds of mission limits. And then you'll have to, you know, basically report on that based on triggers that are caused from, you know, moving between different thresholds. So, uh, you know, long-term we're really, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, like my, my goal with the company is to, you know, IPO and become a public company over time and really establish a, a legitimate operating system for how environmental data management is, transacted, viewed, managed, and then really reported on uh, and really touch, you know, the Fortune 1000 as well as, uh, you know, kind of a broader base and, and work with the regulators across various uh, territories. So, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll be continuing to really work hard. And there are a lot of smart people at NCAMP who are working really hard and care a lot about really pushing this field forward. So, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's something where we really think our journey is just beginning and our pretty fired up about what the future is going to hold. All right. Well, Luke, I want to thank you for joining me today. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I want to thank you as well. It's a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. So, so thank you so much for this. It's been excellent. All right. That wraps up episode 86 of EHS on tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.